Welcome to Clearing the Haze, Making the Invisible Visible, a podcast show that discusses topics that are usually invisible or just hazy. I am your host, Shachi Irte. Please note, this podcast was recorded during the lockdown in the country with limited resources. We thank you for your support and understanding. In our podcast today, we will focus on role of an educator in inspiring young minds. Most parents want their children to study in the best schools, a school that enables holistic development of their child, not only in pursuing academics, but also promotes and inspires young minds to identify and nurture their unique self. This is possible only if the educator at the helm of the school has such a vision. We welcome Dr. Nita Bali, an educator, her role in creating opportunities for young minds to be inspired. Her conviction and passion are to promote the academic, emotional and social well-being of all pupils under her care. She believes in working in synergy with the parent community as well as her colleagues. She is passionate about education and feels privileged to work in this nation-building sector. She feels that teachers' influence lasts an eternity and nothing can be more gratifying than enabling the young actualize their potential. Welcome to this podcast show, Dr. Nita Bali. You know, today we are going to talk to you about your role as an educator in inspiring young minds. And I would like to get started uh, before we speak about how you are inspiring others' minds. What was your dream profession and how did you get started in this role? And did you, you know, always envisage the career path you have traversed? Uh, Shachi, to be very honest, I think I came into teaching uh, by default. I did not always want to be a teacher. Initially, as you grow up, you know, I wanted mm-hmm. to get into a glamorous role wanted to try my hand at acting and then wanted to try my hand modeling and then was very inspired also by my cousins who are air hostesses, very pretty young persons. So those are the people I looked up to. However, as life moved on, I think it was just destined when I finished my post-graduation and finished my B.Ed. Before I knew I was teaching in a very good school in Delhi. And once I was there, I continued to grow very rapidly. And once I was with the children, I was completely smitten. And then I was there to stay. So that's where my journey as a teacher started. Though the idea of being a teacher initially was not mm-hmm. a very appealing idea to me. And I must also share with you that, you know, in a classroom, and this is the way back, I'm talking about 19, in 1983, when I was in a classroom full of girls in a convent school uh-huh. uh, as a teacher of English and I asked how many of you want to be teachers and you grew up, only one hand moved up and that left me aghast. So I said, why is it that none of you want to be teachers? And this one turned around and said, because it's a very middle class profession. Well, that's Ooh. not a very, <laughs> that's not a very interesting response for a teacher, a young teacher um, who's already struggling with you know, whether I've made the right decision, who's in a dilemma or sorts. But I think as we moved on, I became very sure that this was my calling in life. I mean, I'm truly, truly inspired. I mean, from looking up to your 
role models who are in completely different profession to moving to a inspiring profession i mean not that all professions are not inspiring but here you are really changing people's minds making them think differently and i'm really curious to know what happened to that girl who said that uh, you know it's a middle class profession what is she doing today Any she is, yes absolutely she's a very very senior professional in uh, the media and doing uh-huh. extremely extremely well for herself and i'm so proud of her but it's good for children to have a mind of their own and i think it's very important for young people to have a voice and to be able to express their you know whatever they wish without any inhibitions and and that's perfectly all right other people with their differences can also be right absolutely whether it is power of the woman's voice power of a person with visual disability his or her voice or the power of young children's voice it makes so much of a difference to just allow people to have their voice i'm going to talk about a little bit about the research uh, which talks about you know women fare better when they have a mentor or a sponsor in in their organization or in their place of work to look up to did you have access to mentor sponsor as you navigated your career i wouldn't say i had very ready access to a mentor or a sponsor per se mm-hmm. but yes there were people who inspired me when i started teaching the lady i was reporting to my head of department the chair of department somebody called uh, mrs uh, christine devadosan was a very very inspiring chair of department and she saw a lot of potential in me i was all of 24 or 25 teaching english to very senior girls in uh, grades 11 and 12 and two years down the line she said i'm ready to retire and you you should be ready to take on my position and head a department which is full of women who were my mother's age you know when people show faith in you when somebody shows faith in you i would call that somebody a true mentor and it does help because it it uh, only goes on to uh, further foster your own self esteem and uh, probably enhances your sense of confidence so definitely um, having someone around somebody who believes in you definitely helps but as i went along uh, to be very honest shachi i never had a mentor i i have to i know it sounds very cliched maybe but i think i have simply grown by virtue of sheer persistence grit and a lot of hard work and a lot of hard work and it pays absolutely <laughs> you know i i picked up three things that you spoke about you may not always have a mentor or a sponsor but one person who picks on your potential and shows you that you can do it inspires you so much that after that you are on a roll yes. and you are truly a role model in that sense look at all the achievements that you've had okay we'll come to your achievements a little later i'm just wanting to cover some more before we reach there a lot of women experience gender bias in their career do you have an experience you would like to share with us and how did it affect you professionally personally did it have any impact on your job on your outlook to life i wouldn't say too frequently but yes once i did experience the gender bias definitely at workplace if i were to talk about workplace and in the family yes when i talk about my immediate family definitely experienced experienced gender bias if i talk about my work i co-headed a large school now when the principal decided to move on to another institution obviously i was aspiring to the role uh, of a principal but i was told that this is a very tough school to handle 
because you have a lot of local crowd who are always looking for admissions and they probably there had been a precedent where they roughed up a principal i ran that school for a good two months eventually i was asked if you'd like to be a principal you could move to another school and train under somebody else when i'd already run this so called very tough school i i thought that was a horrible instance of gender bias absolutely uh, now that's a different matter that uh, fortunately i got another uh, opportunity at a better school as a principal moved out and uh, definitely uh, found made a place for myself if i were to talk about my home i think the years that we were growing up probably were years where gender equality was not so frequently spoken of mm-hmm. so uh, i i mean if there was a sibling who was a brother definitely the brother would get a preferential treatment and this is what i experienced and it pained me deeply even though i spoke very explicitly about it openly with my parents mm-hmm. and always told them that if you feel that you need to that he needs to have a better deal let's not talk about equality let's just be very honest and say that's an all right of course i mean the kind of support that i should have received i did not so of my own steam i continued to move mm-hmm. and uh, work and i really think uh, shachi um in fact i i if i look at it uh, in retrospect uh, that became a motivator for me to work more to do better because i probably wanted to prove myself to everybody else and wanted to convince myself that you don't really need a crutch to be able to move forward in life so that is that is how it has been <laughs> thank you anita for sharing that you know our experiences always shape us whether it is at home or whether it is at the workplace how we react to situations make us a much better person absolutely how, you know i want to just ask how do you see the change today are parents still in the same patriarchal mindset where men were given preference or the boy child was given more preference or have things changed do you see change actually happening in the children that are coming to you today absolutely tremendously absolutely in fact when i meet parents now it's so delightful to see that most parents are very ambitious about the careers of their daughters probably mm-hmm. more ambitious than they are uh, you know more serious about the careers of their daughters and the lives of their daughters compared to their boys and it really delights me i'm not saying that they shouldn't be ambitious about the boys but all i'm saying is it really really uh, gives me a lot of joy that that they treat their children at par i think things have really moved that's because everyone has spoken about it this agenda uh, bias is not something that we have brushed under the carpet in the last few years people have spoken openly about it and therefore it has mitigated this to a large extent this uh, kind of preferential treatment for boys and um, you know a patriarchal mindset it has definitely been mitigated to a large extent because everyone has been so vociferous about it i think daughters are are treasured today oh that's such a wonderful thing to hear you know in the past we used to only listen to infanticide right yes absolutely what is the most difficult lesson you have learned in your professional life and in what unexpected ways did you grow from it probably the most difficult lesson i've learned in my life is that with every uh, new institution that you join or go to you have to deal with a different set of people with different mindsets so there has to be this uh, kind of consistent adaptability so i have realized that unless you are willing to change yourself unless you're adaptable and more than that unless you're tenacious 
mm-hmm. um, and unless you have the people skills, you can never survive. So I think this is something I have realized over a period of time that more significant than your qualification, your abilities are the the twenty first century skills, so to say. I don't think they're twenty first century skills. I really think they're perennial skills. You know, skills Absolutely. of uh, collaboration, skills of great communication, the ability to collaborate and work in tandem with other people, the ability to communicate with clarity and effectiveness and to convey your ideas unequivocally so these are real life people skills i would say people skills interpersonal skills because you cannot survive in the workplace unless you have these skills however competent you may be as an administrator as a worker as a teacher i think you constantly have to hone these skills and fine tune them more and more if you wish to survive so i think that the, the finesse of these skills will determine how successful you are and more than that i think also i i'm one of those people who believes that when you're doing good work let the world know about it because a lot of people feel that you know you probably being very conceited if you're speaking about your good work but i really believe you don't have to shout from the rooftops nevertheless it's important to let the world know of the work that you're doing because somebody is going to benefit somebody with a similar mindset will align themselves with you and help you to enhance your work so rightly said neeta you know a lot of times in the corporate world we talk about women not taking credit for their work oh. women not accepting and acknowledging that they have done certain work and they should get applauded for it i still hear a lot of women saying that you know my job is to put my head down and work and somebody else will recognize me for it and time and again i have turned around and told you know that kind of recognition came only when you were in school yes. it is in workplaces you have to talk about the achievements you have to talk about your work to get that recognition Absolutely. otherwise somebody else is going to take that credit and walk away with it yes. you bring a different perspective saying that you know somebody can be inspired by what i have done somebody can change the way they do things being inspired by the way things have happened here so that's a different take altogether and thank you for sharing that there is another phrase that i have come across in recent times you know make it till you fake it which suggests that by imitating confidence competence and an optimistic mindset a person can realize those qualities in their real life and achieve the results they seek and at the same time we also have imposter syndrome which refers to an internal experience of believing that you are not as competent as others perceive you to be sure. both the mantras are useful and have been used what are your thoughts on these no harm in making it uh, faking it till you make it see if you rehearse something in your mind in a loop over and over again you may start with a lot of trepidation with a lot of apprehension but when you rehearse something in your mind in a loop over and over again you are bound to come to a point where you will you will definitely arrive at a certain level of proficiency so there's really nothing wrong because when the final moment comes for you to let's say vibe to give a lecture or have to speak before an audience you will not experience either anxiety or mental exhaustion so i think you would rather not expend your energy on that exhaustion mm-hmm. that you are going to experience or the anxiety that you're going to experience so perhaps in that sense i would say fake it till you make it because if you rehearse something over and over again then certainly um i think you're better equipped and better prepared 
And besides, I think it's a good idea. People have, psychologists have always believed that if you make suggestions to your subconscious mind, suggestions about you yourself being successful, suggestions that you are bound to do well and come out uh, successfully. I, I think once your subconscious mind has received these suggestions, they are bound to actualize in your performance. Because, Can you share an example of yes. this? Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, let me just give you a very, very, um, you know, this is in the initial years of my teaching. As a teacher of English, you, I'm sure you know that teachers of English get picked to do all the newsletters, all the annual books, yearbooks, go up and be a master's of ceremony for every program. And I was all of 23 and there was this fantastic oratorical contest that this school was hosting. And uh, my uh, chair of department said, you are going to be the MC for the program. Very happily accepted it, uh, but just happened to ask, who are the judges? So she says, Kushwan Singh. So wow. <laughs> that did it because that was the first time I was going up on stage. So my first reaction was, no, I can't do it. Not for the first time. I can't go up on stage and speak before Kushwan Singh. You're kidding me. So she just looked at me with a stony expression and said, young lady, you will do just what you're told. And that was the end. You know, there was no further arguing. Mm -hmm. And that's when, you know, this, this came in very handy. Uh, fake it till you make it. So 10 days in a row, I would stand, I prepared my script and stand in front of the mirror and read that script to myself and fifth or sixth day. I mean, I was speaking almost impromptu and adding more to that script. And that was where my journey as a speaker. Today, a lot of people ask me when you are on stage, or when you're talking, you, I mean, we never see you with the, a cue card. We mm -hmm. never see you with a paper. How is that? We see a lot of principals read from their scripts, you know, which yes. looks like, yeah, generally, you know, an annual report. But, but my take is, uh, see, as long as you can give me a cue about what I should be saying next, I know what I've done in the course of the year. So why should I have to rely on a paper? It's all right. You know, once I have a PPT running and I know what, what's written there, I can go on and speak more about whatever is mentioned there. So I think that's where it worked for me. And that's why I'm convinced that perhaps it might work for a lot of other people. That's awesome. You know, fake it till you make it really works. And I picked up the points that you said. Practice is very important and making sure that you are subconsciously training your mind to actually actualize it helps a lot. Thank you for those small little tips, which will go a long way for anybody and everybody who wants to speak on the stage or speak in front of many people. What about imposter syndrome? Shachi, to be very honest, there are moments in everybody's life uh, when one starts to, you know, when you look at your work and somehow incredulous and you do tell yourself, uh, did I really manage to do so much? There are moments of doubt and I'm sure everybody experiences, experiences these moments of dilemma and self-doubt. It is but natural. But, but as such, I have never experienced an imposter syndrome, not, not something which has, you know, niggled me all the time or worried me. I think I've been, I've been good with what I've done. But yes, there are those small niggling moments of self-doubt, mm -hmm. which will surface uh, off and on. Sometimes when uh, somebody, everybody's not going to agree with what you believe in. So there may be somebody who doesn't, who, you know, whenever, whenever you hear a voice of dissent, it's all right to feel some degree of self-doubt and say, okay, I mean, Maybe have I really done all of this by myself? So I guess it's all right sometimes to experience that. 
I think what you just said is that um, there will always be dissenters, and it's okay to just listen to them and uh, move on. Yeah. Tell, yeah, move on and look at all the other people who are encouraging you and who have your back. Look at them and say, yes, I am good. And uh, what was that statement? I am worth it. Believe in that and move on. Right. The other point that comes to my mind, I'm again going back to your role as an educator. Uh, we see more women at school education level. Do you see challenges in hiring and retaining male teachers? In the other workplace, we always have the opposite. You know, we always get complaints that we can't retain enough women. But here we don't see enough men. So what are some of the challenges do you think? Shachi, a lot of uh, women and men have this misconception that teaching is a part-time job or a half-day's job. Uh, not in the international school, definitely it's not. Because a lot of research goes into teaching learning. So in the international schools that I've headed recently, uh, definitely we haven't had much of a challenge retaining the male teachers because they're paid well. Because somehow there is a strange misconception that only the men are the breadwinners, so to say. All right. Right? Mm. If you are the main breadwinner, I personally feel women can very well be main breadwinners. I have been one all my life. And that's mm -hmm. all right. So um, you don't have to be, I mean, just because you're a man, you your wife could also be an equally important breadwinner, so to say. It's always collaborative. And that's how it has worked for many, many years now. Uh, but this strange notion that one, that strange notion that teaching is a half day's job prompts a lot of women to join teaching. Uh, much to their dismay, when they join the international schools, it's not a half day's job. Because your job really goes beyond your school hours because there's so much that you need to research on, so much that you need to study. You're a co-learner. You never, we never call ourselves uh, teachers now. We either mm -hmm. call ourselves facilitators or I call myself, I do a lot of classroom teaching. I teach a subject called theory of knowledge mm -hmm. and I call myself a co-learner with my cohort of students. I've never, I've stopped calling myself a teacher. I am a co-learner. So I think all of us now realize that we are co-learners. I guess the men also are now starting to realize that teaching is as lucrative as any other job. Uh, good schools pay well, both men and women. I think as soon as the myths are dispelled, you will start finding more uh, men taking up teaching roles uh, in schools as well. And thank you for that nugget of what you just mentioned. We are co-learners with so much of change happening in the education policy, in the way teaching is delivered actually today we have the online offline concept and everything teachers also have to keep themselves updated and updated every now and then only then they will also be relevant um, and make a good contribution in children's education right now i'm going to ask the real question you have been conferred so many awards for being exemplar educator can you share with us about your experience as an educator and also about some of the uh, great awards that you have received. Great to receive an award because it reinforces your sense of accomplishment, achievement, and it also pushes you to do more and more. That is, that is one. Uh, because an award given by somebody is definitely, um, you know, something that you fall back on sometimes in those dark moments. Mm -hmm. When I look at my award, there is one that I particularly like to look at that says Future 50 Principles Shaping Success by Univariety and Fortune India Magazine. So something like that, uh, you know, if you feel uh, you're shaping lives, gives you a sense of power mm -hmm. and also a sense of accomplishment, achievement, potential. 
makes you feel that you have the potential to change somebody's life. So definitely awards, acknowledgement, recognition is important because it boosts your morale in some dark moments. But I wouldn't say that reward, that awards and uh, accolades really define a person. Uh, they don't really define a person. I really think, honestly speaking, I think at the end of the day, mm -hmm. it is the connect that you build with children. To me, a student who is a journalist, 22 years after I taught her way back, had written, you know, she had in, in those days, uh, in the 80s, children would have slam books. And you, right. would write, you would write small notes in the slam books, small scribbles. This child had retained that scribble on Teacher's Day. She scanned it and put it on the Facebook. Wow, so beautiful. For me, I think that is a much greater award than anything else. Absolutely anything else. When I see a lot of students who are now celebrities, who have done extremely well in their chosen field, I think the sense of gratification, the joy, the sense of achievement and satisfaction that somewhere you may have made some little difference in their lives. Uh, I think that is more important. And to me, that little uh, snippet that I had written 22 years ago, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that was my greatest reward. The fact that she had kept it when I may have simply unmindfully signed so many slam books. But for that one child, that one statement, had guided her right through, she said. Such a beautiful impact that you've had. I'm sure there are so many more students who may have not put it on Facebook, but really always look up to you and are also following you in all the other medias where possible, reaching out to you, sending us small cards or even maybe sending messages to you. You've been really very, very inspirational for just more than one student. And I wish you so much more success and so much more inspiring. I mean, it's so lovely to talk to someone who has inspired so many young minds. And I, I can really feel what you're saying about having been able to change somebody's mind or having been able to inspire someone to perform better. Such a lovely profession and such a lovely work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Can you share with us some advice that has stayed with you? Certainly. The advice was, uh, you know, I'm calling it advice because it helped me survive. I had just taken over as a vice principal of uh, a very reputed school. And um, young as I was, I had just given up a fantastic job in a, a beautiful girls' convent where I worked for 18 years. So okay. as a vice principal, the second day I went to the principal and uh, looked at him with the, you know, the sense of apprehension and said, I hope my job is secure here. So he simply turned and said, the day you cannot perform will be your last day. There is no guarantee that you will continue to survive. Only your, your work and your work is the only thing which is your biggest guarantee. So you can only survive as long as you work and give it your best. You will continue to not merely survive, you will thrive and flourish. So I think that has just stayed with me. <laughs> I think that is one of the most wonderful advice anybody could give, uh, not only you two, but everyone, even our listeners, hard work, there is no compromise on hard work and you are as good as your last hard work that you did. That is so much important for every one of us to hear, believe and actually act on it as well. Any last thoughts, anything that you would like to share with our listeners? I, I would say that today's day and age with what's happening around us, particularly with the pandemic pandemic. I'm really beginning to believe that as a teacher, 
I think it is important that we instill in our students not just academic skills, mm -hmm. but we also equip them with skills of survival. Uh, we equip them with uh, tenacity. Mm -hmm. uh, we equip, equip them with resilience, the ability to survive in spite of adverse circumstances, because I think it is this, it is this which is going to help young succeed in life, resilience and the ability to carry on and not give in and not give up and believe that winter is always followed by spring. That's such a beautiful thing, you know, winter is always followed by spring. Thank you so much on that note for being with us today and sharing your thoughts and inspiring young ones. Thank you very much, Dr. Badri. Thank you, Shachi. Thank you, thank you. It was wonderful speaking to you. Thank you for listening in. For this episode, we would like to thank our guest, Dr. Neeta Bali, Director Principal and Head of School at GD Goenka World School, the French Embassy, the French Institute and the Alliance Francis Network in India for producing the show. Our special thanks to Heyman Sarang and his team for their advice and technical support. Please do subscribe and review the show on various podcast platforms and on the website afindia.org forward slash podcast. Listen in to the voices that are often invisible but powerful enough to clear the haze. <laughs>